You may be seated. It's good to see all the fellowship. There's nothing quite as special as gathering with the Lord's people on the first day of the week and just being together as a body of believers. So we are in part six of our sermon series, Jesus Stories. And I am doing my best to present messages that uh, really, hopefully, prick your heart, challenge you, convict you, even confront you in areas of your life that you need to deal with. Now, I'm going to throw out a verse right now just for you to keep in mind and look at later on today. I'll refer to it near the end of the message, but it's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's a take-home verse to look at and to lay beside your life. But I have to open up this part six where we talk about Jesus tempted by Satan with a passage of scripture that I love for many reasons, but most of the time our minds don't think this way in the world that we live in. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It is a story of the prophet Elisha. Now, back in chapter 2, Elisha had watched his mentor, Elijah, the great prophet, be taken up into heaven in these fiery chariots and horses in a whirlwind. And here in chapter 6, the kingdom of Israel is going to war against the empire of Aram. And God keeps revealing to Elisha the movements of the king of Aram. And everything the king plans to do, Elisha knows and tells the king of Israel, and it so frustrates the king of Aram that he makes a plan to gather up as many horses and chariots as he can, to find out exactly where Elisha's at and surround that city, which happened to be Dothan. And then they would capture Elisha and defeat God's people. Well, Elisha is there with many of younger prophets and servants. And one servant in particular is very worried when he gets up in the morning and walks outside and he sees this army that's surrounding the city of Dothan. And he goes back to Elisha in fear, and Elisha says to him, Calm down. God is with us. We have more horses and chariots than they do. But the thing is, the servant sees nothing. And Elisha prays for his servant and says, O Lord, open up his eyes so that he may see. And God removes the veil. The servant's eyes are opened. And what does he see? He sees a great number of fiery chariots and horses. The spiritual realm 
is seen because God lifts the veil. Now, the reality probably is, although we talk like we know there's spiritual warfare, for most of us, we don't live with a sensitivity in our daily lives that there is a spiritual warfare that is going on in our lives and all around us. And just like that servant, we don't see it. We see what is physical. We see what is in this realm. And only in the moment when God lifted the veil from that servant's eyes did he see the hosts of God's armies there to defeat the army of Aram. And so this morning, as we talk about the temptation of Jesus and your own temptation, and what Scripture has to say about temptation. What is it? What does it look like in our lives? What happens when we are going through it? How do we respond to it? Let yourself be reminded that there is this spiritual realm that we don't see, but it is there. It's there for us all because it's a reality. So we see that his eyes were opened and he sees the spiritual realm. James tells us, as we look at this word temptation, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Evidently, that was something that people had a leaning to do, something was going on, maybe God's tempting me. But no one should say that, according to James, for God cannot be tempted, and nor does God tempt anyone. But each one is tempted and led away when he is guided by his own evil desires and enticed. So here we have a fact that you can take with you that in this world that we live in, what we see in the spiritual realm that God is at work in because God is spirit, that God in your life never, ever, ever, ever tempts you. And there may be a razor-thin line between Satan tempting and God testing. Because God is in control of all things and God does allow us to be tested. But he always points to the fact that he is the one not tempting his people. Never ever. So don't ever say that. And then we have to understand what does this word tempted, tempt, tempting really mean in the language of the Bible? And I want you to see these two thoughts so that you could sort of store it in your mind and heart. To try whether a thing can be done. So since Satan is the one who tempts, what he ultimately wants to do is to do something to you, in you, to see whether he can get a response or an action out of you, to see whether something can be done. And the second here is to test maliciously, craftily to put to proof one's feelings and judgments, to to put you in a situation to see what do you really feel, what do you really think, what will you really do 
What will be your judgment that leads to your action? And I think it's just very interesting that we see how crafty Satan is. It makes you think of what Peter says of Satan in 1 Peter 5, 8. The devil is a roaring lion that is prowling around to look for someone to devour. So, number one, when you think about your temptation, what you have to know is that it comes from Satan, and he's trying to do something to see if he can get the result that he wants, and ultimately it is to pull you away from God. So, I was thinking this last week, what does temptation look like What is the difference between temptation and trials we face? And better than that, what does it really look like so we can get a picture of it and see it? And really, there's three places in the Bible that we get to see what temptation literally looks like in real life stories. The first is Adam and Eve. Satan shows up in Genesis chapter 3. And Satan comes to Eve and says, Did God really say that you cannot eat from any of the trees in the garden? And Eve's response is, No, God said we can eat from all of the trees in the garden except the one that's in the center. Because God said if we eat of that one or even touch it, we will die. And Satan's response to Eve in that conversation, that picture is... You won't surely die, but God knows that you will become like Him, knowing the difference between good and evil. And Eve looks at that apple, that fruit, whatever it was, but she sees that that tree is pleasing and that fruit is desirable. And she eats. And she gives some to Adam who eats. But God had told them both. You must not eat from the tree in the center of the garden. Satan says, it's okay. God just doesn't want you to become like him. That is Satan in his craftiness bringing a picture of what temptation looks like. And the essence of the story is that Satan has deceived both Adam and Eve and they have been deceived in a way that they broke God's command or will. And that's what it looks like for us as well. But what about the picture of Job? What a picture Job is for us. I mean, there's so many teachings throughout Job, but the answer is God is allowing Job to be tested. Satan is the one who is tempting. And Satan attacks Job's family. He attacks his livelihood in a movement of four waves of attacks being raiders, 
pillaging all of Job's property to fire falling from the heavens to a great whirlwind that caused a building to collapse and kill his seven sons and three daughters and most all of his servants. Out of that, Job worships the Lord. And Satan, in the next movement, says, but strike his body. Let let me strike his body, skin for skin. People will do anything to take care of themselves. And so God says, okay. You can attack him, but you cannot take his life. And Satan makes Job extremely sick, boils in his skins, on his skin, and ultimately what comes out is Job saying, May the name of the Lord be praised. And he does that out of his wife who is looking at him saying, you need to curse God and die. And then we see the emphasis throughout that text is, Job was blameless and righteous in God's sight and never was led to curse or blame God. Because that's what Satan wanted from Adam and Eve, to break the will of God. That is exactly what Satan wanted in Job's life. And then we come to the story of Jesus, and these are the three stories that we see a picture of what temptation looks like. Just work with me threes real quick. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the devil is going to try to see if he can do something to Jesus. He's going to try to separate him from the Father. He's going to try to break his faith and trust in the Lord. I mean, I think it's absolutely so interesting that the Spirit of God is the one who, after Jesus' baptism that we talked about last week, is the one that is leading Jesus into the wilderness to face Satan. And he leads him into the wilderness. Jesus fasts during that time for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's when Satan makes his assault on our Lord. When he's at least physically most weak. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, The response, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we start to get an insight. At least Jesus' example of how we deal with Satan moving in our lives, trying to get us to go against the will and desire of God for our lives. He says, look to the word of God. Look to God himself. Don't look away. Don't look to your own desires. Don't be enticed and dragged away by your desires that's combined with the movement of Satan in your life. Look to God. Know God. Stand on God's Word. If you don't have that, you're going to fail and be sifted by Satan's self. So look at this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. Yes. What? And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Throw yourself off. God's going to take care of you. It's written in the Scriptures. 
Jesus answered him, It's also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, we start to see the temptation here in this first order is, Tell these stones become bread. Prove that you're the Son of God. Pride. You know, pushing me, it's pride. Here, it's like, you know, test and see if God will do what he said he will do. And Jesus says, I won't do that because Scripture says not to test God. Be careful not to test your God. It's a temptation of Satan. Finally, again, the devil came to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture is how we battle temptation as we rely on the Lord. But those are the three stories of what temptation looks like in people's life, whether it's an assault that moves within us by Satan against our pride, against our will, our desires, things that we think we want. Again and again and again, we see our Lord say, look to the Holy Scriptures, know those truths, and stand on them as faithful as you can. Reflect as much as possible the heart and the spirit of Jesus, at least a Job. But know that Satan is real and he's an enemy and you have to be careful in your life not to let Satan get a foothold on you. How many people today in our world are not worshiping the Lord this morning? Do you think God's good with that? God wants his people to stand in awe of him and worship him and him alone. But people don't. Most people don't. Why not? Because they are following their own desires and Satan is at work in them. And so they don't see the spiritual world that we know and can see through Scripture. And they choose to go and live life without the Lord seeking to fill themselves with what they think will make them happy. The things that will bring them pleasure will only bring them damnation. Whenever Satan sifts you because you fell a temptation you get further away from the Lord. And you have to focus your heart on desiring to say no to Satan. We live in a society that is growing increasingly weak of moral fiber 
We make excuses why people do the things they do. They were treated bad. They were bullied. They were called names. That's why he, she did what they did. How many Jewish people were killed and tortured in a holocaust and nearly starved to death and burnt in furnaces? Those who survived did not do horrible and mean things to people. People do evil things because they are enticed by the tempter and they succumb to his temptation. So it's not just that a person is broken, it is a person is evil. And they are evil because they're separated from the God that can make them good and give them life. And that is the way it is. That is a thus saith the Lord. I really ask the Lord. When we get into this message, will you let me not go there? Because it, it, I want it to be taken right. People struggle. People have addictions. I know that. Some people are allergic to alcohol and, and they, they become alcoholics and it, it ruins their life. Some people are addicted to drugs. I get it. Some people are addicted to power. All those things. But come on. At some point in a person's life, no matter how difficult it is, with God's help, there needs to be the breaking of addictions. There needs to be a point, if you've been an alcoholic for 30 years, that at some point you put the bottle down and say, with God's strength, I'm done drinking instead of like we do diets. Well, I'm on a diet. I'll start tomorrow. I know that sounds harsh. But people who are addicted to power and people who aren't merciful and people who aren't kind and people who are hateful and people who are angry, at some point in your walk with the Lord, if the Spirit lives in you, He can change you. But you have to sit down before Him. So say no to Satan and yes to God. And quit making excuses for yourself of why you are doing what you are doing. This cannot be done in your power alone, but as you partner with God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, you can stop blows my mind sometimes. This was years ago, just so you don't like look. Years ago, a couple came in for marital counseling because they were having problems. He continued to cheat on his wife. Sexual affair after sexual affair. And I'm not the kind of counselor that's going to, let's you fill out this form and do this and you can see which way you need to put the toilet paper on the roll so you'll be happier in life and where to hang your coat and, you know. But he said, what do I need to do? And I said, stop cheating on your wife. 
and start loving God more than you love her, which will guide you into stop cheating on your wife because God is what is most important to you and not sex or those kinds of relationships. God is. It's not rocket science. If you can't drink a drink without taking it too far and getting drunk, then you don't need even a sip of wine or a beer or anything. Recreational drugs is the biggest joke. I don't care what anybody says. Marijuana, it changes your mind. That is a scientific fact. This body is the temple of God and we should take care of God's temple. We don't need something from the outside like a drug or alcohol or marijuana to make us happy and make us cope with life. We need the falling of the Holy Spirit upon us. So check yourselves. I absolutely believe biblically that Satan, who was created by God and is not omnipresent, that means he can't be everywhere at one time like God can. But he's got a third of the fallen angels that we often refer to as demons that are working in this world. I think wherever there is a desire for people to step away from what God have them do, Satan or his demons are right there enticing, tempting, encouraging, pushing to see if they can get it done. Are you, as God's child, filled with the Holy Spirit, going to let Satan win and ruin your life and drag you down because you do have a part we we have a part we rest in the grace of the power of the spirit of god that molds and shapes and convicts and guides and leads and counsels us but don't be so Flippant about whatever you are being tempted by to think that it's not a big deal because it is a big deal. It's a big deal because whenever we fail, it hurts God. And whenever we fail, it hurts us. Remember another guy eight years ago. He was a good friend. And sometimes these things don't end well, but this one did because you, in love, tell somebody something, it's a hard truth, and they get mad at you. But I've always said I'd rather ruin your day if it saved your soul. I lost my job, got laid off. Well, the reality is he got fired. I've just been so faithful to God. No, it wasn't. You were cheating on your wife, too, with several people. I didn't find that out until a few years later. And now we're sitting 
a steakhouse having lunch and I feel like I'm just about to give up on God and turn away and give up on this Christian life because God's let me down. So God has let you down. Let me get that right. Yeah, God's let me down. So you got laid off and you got a six-month severance package and your spouse just graduated nursing school and has already had a job offer. And God let you down how you should be ashamed of yourself. Are you so far from God that even during the trials that you have, like Job had, which is probably God testing you so that he could make you stronger and you may not understand it, but Satan is trying to drag you down with it and God is going to lift you up and make you more mature through it when you lean on him. You're mad at God because some things aren't going right, but look at your life. You're covered and you're taken care of. But God's let you down. That's really the way we think. When Satan comes to tempt you, rely on the word of God that you should know. And say no to Satan. We're going to fail. We're going to fall down. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. I'm not saying that those things won't happen. The scriptures tell us they will. We're not perfect. But the scriptures also proclaim... Seek and obey the Lord. Walk in the light. Be faithful. Choose who you're going to serve. Your life shouldn't be a picture of constant temptation and failure time after time after time. Your picture should be that when you do fail, the Lord lifts you up and you continue in the path of His light and grace. But you have to make that decision. I serve a risen Savior. I will be loyal to Him. I will be faithful to Him. And I will be aware of what's going on and what Satan is trying to do. And I'm not going to fall for his craftiness. I'm not going to fall for his deceit. I'm going to be careful that in my choices and decisions, I don't give him a foothold, literally a space in my life to attack. Because he's going to attack. But whenever I open the door, whenever I seek those things on the internet that these eyes should not see, Whenever I say things from my heart that shouldn't be in my heart in the first place, Satan wins. And I don't want Satan to win because it hurts God's people and it hurts God. It grieves God's spirit is what we are told by Peter. Now look at this here with me. Here's a picture of Simon. Simon Peter. Upon this rock, Peter said, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And that truth was that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. 
So what I want us to see here is it's still the spiritual realm, but the fact is Peter don't see what's going on like Adam and Eve did or like Jesus did. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But Jesus says, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. See, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He's asked me if I could do it, but I've prayed to the Father that you will be protected and that your faith will remain strong because if your faith fails, you've given in and succumbed to the temptation. Not that you're lost, it's just that you've succumbed to the temptation and you failed in your faith in that moment. And here, it pretty well is clear that he would but Jesus says and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers see we're going to fail at times we're all going to fail but when you succumb to the temptation and you know you have failed make sure you turn back as quick as you can to the Lord and confess that sin and repent And ask God to help give you strength in whatever area it is in your life that you're you're struggling with. Look at this. Sift defined. This is like the most literal Greek meaning by inner agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. Satan wants to overthrow your faith in God. Look at this passage. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Remember that story? Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day I'm going to be resurrected. And Peter stands up and, you know, all right heart, like, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. I won't let it happen to you. And this is when Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't think Jesus is just being mean to Peter. I'll call him Satan. The point is, Jesus saw that spiritual realm and he saw Satan working and enticing Peter in his life. Peter was saying what he was saying in part because of the devil, the tempter. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Do you see that? To think that Satan doesn't attack people or doesn't work in people. You have to be aware of those things. So the take-home really is be aware of the spiritual realm around you and say yes to God and no to Satan. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond what you can stand, but will always give you a way out so you can endure. Do you hear that? Satan attacks with a temptation. 
And God is there allowing that temptation to only go so far. You can strike his body, but don't touch his life, said God Satan regarding Job. But no matter what temptation you're going through, God says, if you believe his word, he provides a way out if you choose to take it. Say yes to God and no to Satan. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we just ask your continued blessing on everyone here, and no matter what struggle, what battle they are facing, that they would cling to you and trust you always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.